Okay. Is that better? There we go. Okay. How's how's the gain? The gain? Yeah. Is the, do you need to boost it? No. I think oh. we're okay for gain. I, okay. I didn't listen to last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, let's call it last week's. Let's, did, let's keep let's let's keep the magic intact. There's some temporality to this, right? I didn't listen to last week's episode, so I don't know if I fixed the "I'm quieter than you" problem. Okay. But I'm sitting closer to the mic. You, you sound you sound a little less quiet. Okay, that's good. I also turned up the volume, but with the okay. sock on my microphone, the volume has <laughs> is like it's kind of maxed out. That's that's cool. Today's so, episode is not brought to you. By The Master, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, and starring Joaquin Phoenix, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams, and Laura Dern. How about the snares? Are the snares appropriately gated? I'm a little concerned. The snares are appropriately gated, and um, I've got the right triggers on my kick drum. I've got the... uh, I've got the... can, can I get some reverb? I got the pads loaded up with the 808. <laughs> I want some reverb on my guitar. You want some? You want some reverb on your guitar? I do. Um, well, tough shit. There's no guitars <laughs> allowed in my studio. Ah, can I just have reverb on my voice so it sounds like I'm really, like I'm authoritative because I have like reverb. Authoritative. Yeah, with like the, God. Like God. Oh, I see. Yeah. Like the yeah. master. Had, oh, oh, you're trying to tie this in. I'm, well, I'm trying to actually get to the topic of the episode, yeah. <laughs> Fine. Be, be all, Johnny, we have to talk about the thing we were going to talk about. I, I don't know. I mean, we don't have to, man. We can talk no. about fucking raccoons if you want to. <laughs> That's, I, I've never fucked a raccoon. Yeah, I, mean, I was I worried be on we were going to go there. <laughs> I just meant to add emphasis to the raccoons. <laughs> I don't actually want to have a chat about intercourse with raccoons. We could talk about just raccoons. But we are. That's what we're doing right now. I know. I know. Let's talk about The Master. Okay. I really like this movie, but it confused the hell out of me. Sure did. Uh, which is becoming a theme in, in these. Every freaking movie I watch makes me confused. <laughs> but I, I just, I don't know. I stood up and I was like, well, uh, that happened. It was really good, but it was, uh, I think Ebert said, intentionally opaque. And yeah. uh, and I, I like that analysis of it. Not an analysis, that, that statement. Because it was very opaque. I knew that there was something deeply personal going on and something something really uh, indicative of the human condition being said. But I, I, I didn't know what it was for the longest time. I have an idea now. But. Okay. I couldn't I, – I, I could not tell. Having having watched the movie with you at the end, if you'd actually enjoyed it or not. Oh, really? I couldn't tell from your reaction because you were, um, yeah, because you basically said, yeah, that that was that was the thing that I watched for two and a half or two hours and twenty minutes for sure. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, I, 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 he needs to think about it, but I'm not sure what side he's going to come out on. That was uh, that was definitely true. That was definitely all I knew at the time. I, I knew that I'd seen some great performances, some. Some magnificent and beautiful direction, um, and uh, and some really earnest writing. But I had no idea what the hell to make of it. But it was it was really good. It was an exceptional film. I did know that. No, I absolutely agree with that. Um, 
<clears throat> my my first takeaway upon the film ending was that I just felt <sighs> the cumulative effect of the film on me was that I felt really still at the end, like just really, really calm and very still, like a, like a like in a Zen trance almost. Mm-hmm. Not that I've ever been in a Zen trance necessarily, but just very, yeah, just. Um, I know you've never seen um, any uh, films by. Oh, I'm going to forget his name. This is not going to go well. Um, shoot. Um, this is compelling. Uh, it's okay, okay we, we can cut out all the ums. <laughs> yeah, let's. But don't cut out the part where you said we cut them out so people know they used to be there and they'll assume it was five minutes. No, you know what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to cut up the ums and duplicate them and make it <laughs> twice as long of a pause. And you're not going to pay me for extra for them either, are you? I'm not paying you anything anyway. That's true. Okay, I'm going to have to look this guy's name up. Ugh, I'm a bad film student. You can, you can do the clicky thing. I'm doing the clicky thing. I'm just taking a minute. What did he do? What did he direct? <laughs> uh, Diary of a Country. Robert Bresson. There we go. Oh, anyway, yeah. Bresson. I know you haven't seen any films by Bresson. That's correct. Uh, but they have a similar effect, at least on on me, uh, when you watch them. It's it's a lot of it's stuff happening. So there's there's a there's an ostensible narrative there, but you get to the end, and the cumulative effect is um, one of transcendence. Um, that the the um, the whole experience is more than just its component parts somehow, mm-hmm. uh, and this is the only the only um, other thing I think I've ever seen that really, aside from um, some other filmmakers in the same uh, sort of style as Brisson, that um, certainly the most the most modern thing that I've seen uh, that had that type of effect. Now, to be fair, I don't watch a lot of um, quote unquote art films, so maybe that's why that happens. But I mean, for a film that's that's arguably like, I mean, it's definitely got a a narrative of sorts. I mean, things are definitely happening. Um, I don't know. It's, I would not, if you, if you told me, well, here's a general idea of what happens in this film. And I mean, I, I read a review ahead of time. So I had a general idea of, you know, this is what the film is about. I wouldn't have expected that to be the cumulative effect of it. I would have <clears throat> expected to, to be, hmm, I don't know. I, it's all, it, it was weirdly like almost, I don't know, like a, some kind of religious experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's bizarre because it's not really, uh, I mean, it's not really a film about that kind of thing. It's, um, it's very, uh, it's a very special film. And I mean that in a very sincere way. It, it gave me and and this, this is a weird thing to say, but it gave me what I was looking for and didn't find in Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet, I was expecting mm. to have some kind of overarching meaning that was just uh, indicated by the narrative, although the narrative is irrelevant to the actual meaning of the story. And, of course, that's not true. Blue Velvet has jack shit all to say. It's just a narrative that happens to be super weird. This movie has a narrative, but what it it it, it talks about... Um, well, it, it I mean, it, it finds itself right in the crux of the the thesis of order and progress and uh, preening humanity and uh, and man's baser instincts and and Joaquin Phoenix is just this animal that gets taken in by this Philip Seymour Hoffman superego and they they just grapple with each other and it's insufferable yeah. but in a really really compelling way yeah well i mean um, Joaquin Phoenix's character is absolutely um i mean is 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 
labeled as an animal by Philip Seymour Hoffman mm-hmm. um, when uh, when he's doing the first um, interview thing with him and he he farts in answer to a question. He's they're laughing. He's like, yes, yes, it's an animal. An animal's made a made made an animal joke. And Joaquin Phoenix does not understand, although he should, yeah. because he has heard the definition of in Philip Seymour Hoffman's schema of things what an animal means. He should understand that it's the basically the most insulting thing that he could possibly say to him. Yep. And I don't know if he if he knows it and ignores it or if he's just he he willfully ignores a lot of things. Well, he's just he's completely <sighs> self-unaware. Yeah. In a way that is brutal and also like endearingly childlike. Well, and it <sighs> The, I mean, the, the the tension here. I mean, it's uh, it's absolutely an opaque film because you never you never get answers. You never get real answers. Nobody. There's no point where where, where anything's explained. To you. Yeah. Um. And and the the film is really not about an, a plot. It's about people, and the people are never explained to you. You have to try to to intuit as much as possible from what you're given and from their performances and what you see. And you get a lot. A lot more of Joaquin Phoenix than you do of anybody else because it's really his film. Um, it's a series of character sketches colliding with each other. Yeah. And the character sketches fill sort of archetypal roles in terms of like – well, like Philip Seymour Hoffman and, and Joaquin Phoenix's character as polar opposites. And then uh, Amy Adams as Fear mm-hmm. and uh, Laura Dern. I don't. I don't know what to make of Laura Dern. Laura, Laura Dern is uh, passivity. She's just. She's. Uh, or she's, or just. Or maybe just belief. Belief. Okay. That because she be... truly wants to believe in what Seymour Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman is 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 bringing. She wants to with all her heart. She wants to follow it exactly. And then and then and the breaking point there comes. Well, as as such, comes when he makes a, a fundamental change and refuses to acknowledge that that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Fundamentally, as much as the movie's about anything, like concretely, what I get from it is that it's about Joaquin Phoenix as a as a man who really needs somebody to help him, desperately needs somebody to to actually help him because he he's destroying himself. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is somebody who I think I think really does want to help people, at least to a certain extent. Um, sincerely does want to help people, and specifically Joaquin Phoenix. And I think, A, he's not the right person to help him, After at least after a certain point. I think to a point he is helping him, and after a point, you know, further. Um, and I think that's because fundamentally I think Joaquin Phoenix really, what he needed in that film is he needed a woman to help him. I think that's the kind of help he was going to be able to accept. Mm. Um, and I think that after a certain point, um, really, the point where where Joaquin Phoenix um, runs off and leaves everybody for 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 a period of time, um, who knows how long? It seems to be years, and then is called back, and they're basically saying, "Look, I want to help you, but you need to you need to stay here and accept my help. And if you can't accept my help now, then I will never I will never be able to help you." And at that point, what they think is is helping him is him staying and doing what they say, and that's it's no longer about. It's no longer about this is what this person needs. It's what this is what I I need to do to this person. Um, yeah. And it's like polarized, but it's very interesting because I think there's still a sincerity there that they they want to help this person, but that they have if they ever had it lost the the path of how to do that. It's become whatever it might have been in the beginning. It's it's become something else. 
It's, it's weird how much this movie, while it's ostensibly about Scientology, is not at all about Scientology in any significant way. It really uses... Uh, I, I mean, I it's thought it was going to be... It's a backdrop at best. Um, yeah, I was, gonna, I, I was thinking that this is a movie about Scientology going into it, and I thought it was going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be completely more interesting for a different reason. But it's... I mean, obviously the whole deal is a is a metaphor for Scientology. It basically is Scientology wrapped in non-Scientological branding to keep, you know, the filmmakers from being persecuted by... Well, of course. The, as much as one can ever keep from being persecuted by Scientologists. The invisible Scientological hand. But it it's... It's... Like, that Scientology is just a metaphor for a, a man creating belief, which is the... The weirdest thing. It's it's a it's a, it's a great device for illustrating man creating God. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's really it, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's amazing that because I do feel like in the final scene of the film that Joaquin Phoenix finally has found some kind of peace, some kind of like. Something is, I, and I don't know where he found it because I don't think it's, it's explicated in the film. Maybe it's just time happening. But he's finally gotten to a point where he's, where he's able to be more of a human being, mm-hmm. where he's able to meet a girl in a bar and not come on too strong or drink himself into a stupor and ruin it, where he's just able to meet somebody and have a good time. And then, the, of course, the weird thing is that. It's like it's like the first time you've seen him really do this in the film, and he he goes back to almost the beginning. And he tries to have the same conversation with with this girl while he's having having sex with her that he was ha- that film that Seymour Hoffman was having when he first tried to interview him, um, and then and you know, but he seems happy. And then, of course, the last line of the film is amazingly crass. So that was awesome. Remind me again what that was. Uh, I'm pretty sure, um, unless I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive. The last line of the film is, is there, there. He's, he's tried to have this, 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 do this interview thing with her, and she's just, she's just, you know, playing silly buggers, which is fine because he seems okay with it. Um, and they're laughing around, and she's, she's astride him, and he's, and then, and they're laughing and having fun, and he's like uh, something along the lines of, um, uh, "Put it back in, it fell out," <laughs> and, that, and, it's, and scene, basically. yeah. Yeah, and then and it, I'm it like, cut and, and to like, the wake in the water. Yeah. And, yes. And I'm like, that's, um... And is that, is that, is that animal? Is that human? I don't, I don't know. But, I mean, I think it is. It's, I think it's extraordinarily human. I wouldn't, I think it's extraordinarily human, too. Yeah. I, I wouldn't even go with crass. I would go with mm. familiar. It's like... Uh, well, but just... Uh. It's a portrait of two people sticking <laughs> together. Yeah. It's, it's it's two people doing a fun thing together that they both enjoy, which has not happened for the rest of the film. Anytime there's two oh. people in a room in that entire movie, uh, one of them is trying to do something either against or above the other person. It's it's some yeah. kind of power play, some kind of conflict. This is well, the first time in the movie that there is no conflict. It's two people doing it and wanting to do it. And... Uh, then at the well, end he says, you stick it back in, it fell out. Yeah. We we gotta keep doing this thing that we both of course want to be doing. 
And not not in a rude or crass way, just in a let's keep. Yeah, no, for sure. And and especially given, you know, everything we've seen of the character throughout the whole film, him having like any kind of normal sexual experience with a woman is nothing short of like a miracle. Especially after having honestly. a normal social drinking experience. Yes, he absolutely. Goes into a bar and just has like one drink, picks up yeah. a girl and then is nice to her that evening. Like what what are you What's talking about? This doesn't pass out, doesn't say like utterly stupid things to her he doesn't doesn't drink a single <sighs> drop of motor oil or or other petroleum based fuel go to the beach and build a woman out of sand instead that was hilarious fun uh fun funny story um i've actually <laughs> done that you built a sand woman and fucked oh, her on the I, beach no i didn't do that okay so when i was a younger man I would have been would have been twenty, I think, twenty one years of age. Okay. Uh, no, this is this is um, this 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 is inextricably linked in my mind with something that happened very shortly thereafter, as like one of the last good times before a very dark period in my life. So I remember very specifically. Ah. A uh, bunch of my friends and I went uh, went to small town Alberta to visit another friend of mine who lived there. Was it Mario? Uh, it was Stetler. Oh, sorry. Carry on. <laughs> I don't even know why I was like trying to protect protect the name of this town I went to. I don't know why I bother. Don't tell uh, the people you went to Coronation. I don't even know where that is. Provost. Uh, okay. New Serapta. At any rate, um, I'm sure that all of small town Alberta is lovely. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you ever been so to anyway. Kelmar? And carry on. Sorry, this is yeah. Send you to Pinoca. <laughs> okay. Careful. There's a there's a mental there's hospital mental there. there. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm threatening to do. The crazies. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a Mackenzie Brothers thing. Like I'm taking you to Looney Bin. Anyway, <laughs> no way, is... a hoser. <laughs> I'm, all right, but I'm taking you to Looney Bin after. Anyhow. <laughs> Enough of that. So we went to this beach near Stetler, and we were just hanging out and messing around. And so my friends started building uh, a lady out of sand, and she was horribly like she. Uh, this woman would have been a freakish giant had she had she shed her sand carapace and stood up. Horribly disproportioned. I think I might have been in charge of the breasts, uh, any and possibly the head. Anyway, so I named her Valia for reasons that I do not remember, except that that was the name I named her. Uh, and the tide started coming in, so we had to go. And what do you mean the tide coming? We're landlocked. There's no tide. There, <laughs> there was, was a, a wave on a lake. No, there was tide. It was the, the the water was the water was rising. Okay, there was tide. Fair. It was enough. a large enough lake that there was some kind of tide. Not. I don't know. I, look, I'm not a scientist. I just know what I saw. Lakes don't have tides. Carry on. <laughs> look, I know what I saw. Man, lakes totally do have tides. <laughs> Or maybe it was rain. No, actually, ah, you're right. Lakes don't have tides. It was um, raining I think what, such uh, that the water began, level was no, rising. No, it's not. It's just it. It's that it began to rain and we had to go. Oh. Okay. Uh, and I, 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 I was, uh, I, I, I was uh, refusing to leave Valia behind. And they were like, "We have to go." And I'm like, "Valia, no!" And I'm in the car and I'm like looking out the window and flailing my arms and and, and uh, shouting in, in psychic agony. And everybody was like, "You're just utterly ridiculous." <laughs> so you know, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh, Valia, how about that?" 
I'm like, I know I never, I never got on top of this sand woman and, uh, feigned, uh, feigned, uh, sexual intercourse for an unseemly long amount of time. That was magnificent. I couldn't believe <laughs> that I was seeing that happen. Scott, so that's like, what, like a minute in? Yeah. Basically. He humps like the hell out of the sand woman. Fake humps the hell out. And then, then fing, finger fucks the hell out of her as destroys well. Destroys her for to all the, the sailor buddies. To, to the absolute abject horror of the onlooking sailors. And then, and then um, proceeds to uh, go and uh, jack off into the sea. In public, he just stands out <laughs> on an outcropping, whips it You know, out. when you're surrounded by sailors all day, this sort of thing is probably quite normal. I am never joining not. a Navy. I don't think that it would suit you. The Navy? Maybe the Kiss Navy. Do they have a Navy or just an army? I think they just had an army. They're, oh, they're uh, strictly they're... a land-based militia. <laughs> well, they're... Um, Keep it simple, they're... you know? <laughs> I'm not sure that that's what the Kiss Army is about. Yes, it is. Keep it simple, stupid. Or kids in the service of Satan. It, uh, it's a whole thing. They, uh, All right. You know, power cords and face paint. Keep it super short? Keep it super short. No, yeah. that was uh, that was the uh, the hardcore movement in eighty four, eighty five, eighty six. <laughs> no song over two minutes long. No song over two minutes long. Everything must have at least one masturbation reference or an unnecessary f word. Those are rules I can get behind. <laughs> yeah, there are rules you can get in front of too. All right, I don't want to. I'd get all. Hey oh. Hey hey. hey. <laughs> uh, so remember I said that I had uh, had something I wanted to say about French Stewart in relation to this movie? Yes. Jesus oh. Christ. I, I, I thank you for remembering because <laughs> I've been baffled uh, yeah. for weeks folks about what French Stewart has to do with this movie. It's been literally like I think 4 days. Weeks. Weeks. Fine. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so here's the thing is that um, Joaquin Phoenix's performance in this film, because he's so um, facially, he's so tight, like his jaw is practically like welded shut. Mm -hmm. um, he, what he reminds for better or for worse. And I don't I'm, I don't mean this as a slam against his performance, which is wonderful. Um, but it reminds me of uh, Johnny Galecki on uh, Big Bang Theory, who I always feel like is doing a French Stewart impression. So that's 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 where that comes from. I see. And I think that if you put French Stewart in this movie, it would be not as good. Of course not. If you put French I'm... Stewart in any movie, Garden... <laughs> what? No. No, no, no. Not, a, not any movie. I don't, think, I don't think Duck would be a worse movie with, with French Stewart out of it, or a better Duck. movie with French... What? Oh, Duck's a movie with French Stewart in, in a small role. Oh. Is it a That's... comedy? Um, it's maybe an absurdist comedy. It has... Um... <sighs> Philip Baker Hall um, as an elderly man who uh, who finds a, a duckling and uh, raises it into a duck, and it's sort of set in this semi dystopic uh, urban setting, like in the future, where um, Je Jeff Bush is president, um, and he goes on this sort of Jeff, semi odyssey wait, what, with Jeff Bush or Jeb yeah, Bush? the other the, uh, Jed Bush, I guess, the Jeb. other Bush, Jeb, Jeb, is it Jeb? Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the um, the the the, the non-George W. Uh, Bush brother uh, son. Anyway, uh, and he um, like takes this weird sort of odyssey across. Uh, he's trying to get to the beach with his duck, and it's difficult for him. And and then one of the first scenes, he's the, 
Okay, so here's the thing. You cannot teach a duckling to act. That's Ducklings true. do whatever they want. And so he's Philip Baker Hall acts his ass off in the scene where this, this, he's brought this duckling home. And he's got, like, you know, certain beats he's, he's trying to hit, like, semi-narratively in the scene where he's got, you know, building a rapport with the duckling or whatever. And the duckling's just wandering wherever it wants to go. So he has to more or less improv the whole scene. And it's, it's basically just fantastic and well, adorable. I will have to check that out because it's a pretty I, neat film. Really enjoy some Philip Baker Hall, and I. And uh, French Stewart's in it for like five minutes. I don't agree that French Stewart adds anything to any movie. <laughs> I don't know if I. Well, but what about that Inspector Gadget two directed TPT? Two thousand five <laughs> film that is set in two thousand nine when Los Angeles' last city park is closed to the public. It's like nineteen eighty four meets Fly Away Home. <laughs> sure. It's 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 interesting. Just with nowhere near enough Anna Paquin. You can never have you you specifically can never have enough Anna Paquin. That's true. I can have my fill of Anna Paquin very easily. How? What there is no <laughs> there is no lethal dose of Anna Paquin. You know who I can't have a lethal dose of lethal, lethal dose of is Anne Hathaway. Hello. I like me some Anne Hathaway, yeah. Yeah, I like her more than Anna Paquin, is what I'm saying. The, Anna Paquin's not even on my list. Okay, who's on your list? Let's do this. What? Oh, I don't actually have a list. Um, you've put me on the spot now. Yeah, I am. Okay, this doesn't count for anything, but I need a list of five. Go. <laughs> a list of just five ladies that I think are nice? Uh, five ladies <laughs> that, I don't know, isn't the point of a list? You get like five people on a laminated card that you'd be allowed to step outside your relationship or marriage. Here's the thing is you should to... never laminate that card just in case you need to make rapid alterations. Yes. You saw that episode of Friends. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. So, <laughs> which, so... which, interestingly enough, I think dovetails back to Blue Velvet because it was um, uh, Isabella Rossellini that was that was his like sixth on his list that That's he didn't right. get out who, who did indeed show up. Yep. In the... And she's like, can I see the list? And he's like, ah, Gun. Okay, so. Oh gun. God! I don't. How did how did we do this? We went okay. We <laughs> went from the master with Joaquin Phoenix to Johnny Galecki to French Stewart. French yeah. Stewart is in to a Anna movie Paquin. that's yeah. kind of like <laughs> Fly Away Home, which has Anna Paquin, who yeah. I appreciate. Yeah, and um, I like Anne Hathaway. And now apparently, after you like Anne Hathaway, you well. have to give me a list. Uh, people who are on this list may or may not include Isabella Rossellini, who is in an episode of Friends, who is also in Blue Velvet. With Laura Dern, who's in The Master. Can I say that maybe Blue Velvet renders Isabella Rossellini completely um, sexually unattractive to me? Yes. I think that might have something to do with it. Is an appropriate thing to say. What about Laura Dern? uh, Laura Dern's all right. I don't know. She got... I just, uh, see, okay, I don't want to say anything mean about somebody. I mean, what if Laura Dern listens to this podcast? If Laura Dern listens like, to this podcast... Screw you, buddy. And sends me a tweet or an email. Laura <laughs> Dern, you're fine. I just, you're just, I don't want to have sex with you. And that, not that doesn't make you a bad five, person. Lord no, Dern. I just don't really at all. But it's, that's okay. It means if we meet, it's way less awkward because there's no sexual tension. Or at least not in this direction. I don't know what she's putting out. <laughs> Oh, she has a thing for for oddly <laughs> shaped a, bearded men. I'm not. What, I'm oddly shaped. I this was, is because I called you a beluga, isn't it? You called me a beluga numerous times. You also called me <laughs> caviar, which we found out is incommensurate. <laughs> it did not occur to me that beluga caviar wouldn't come for beluga whales until I thought about it for literally like two seconds. <laughs> I realized that belugas are mammals. Then you called me Pugsley and Fester. 
Yep. And I only got you back the once by calling you Wednesday. I didn't even notice that. Oh, but I But that's Christina Ricci and Christina Ricci main, t- um, main fact being the, this list of five people. Yeah? I'm thinking. Are you I'm a fan of Black Snake Moan? I haven't seen that oh yet. Oh, my God. We but gotta, I want We'll do that one. We should, right. I should be keeping a list of the down ones that we're going to do. We, somebody should. It's, uh, it's a good one. Okay. I've wanted to see it. You got your Sam Jack. You got your Christina yeah. Ricci. You got There's your... There's nothing I don't like about this. Justin Timberlake. I'll, I'll accept Justin Timberlake. He does a very good job in a lot of movies. He does, and I always sort of like have this knee-jerk response to, oh, God, Justin Timberlake, and it's not justified, um, really. He's, he's good in a lot of stuff. He was fantastic in um, that movie about Facebook. Yeah, the that Facebook I know movie. the name of the the social network. There we go. There we go. I, if I reflected for two seconds before I spoke, I would have known the name of. Hey, I'm going to try um, something. I'm going to. Okay, I'm going to make a, a. I'm going to generate a pitch. Tell me if it stops. Uh, did it stop? Yes. What are you doing? Okay. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Can what are you? Are you trying to deafen me? No, I'm trying to have a. Uh... Oh, there we go. Then it stopped. Are you trying to? You're trying to blow your mic out. What happened? No. Okay. No, I'm testing out my mute button. I found a. Oh, mute. You know, mute, there's mute. a. You know, there's a mute, mute button mute, in mute. Skype that you can just click on. Well, screw that. I don't. I have an actual button on the soundboard in front of me here. Oh, okay. That's when you said you were going to generate a pitch. I actually kind of thought you were going to pitch me a movie with uh, Justin Timberlake in it. No, although that would be a good <laughs> idea. I'm hesitant. I, you know, I've tossed this idea around with myself a couple of times. If we come up with an excellent <laughs> movie premise on the show, what's stopping any jagoff out there of our three listeners to to you know, of pitch? our hypothetical at this point listeners? Yeah, yes. that's right. Currently non-real listeners to to just pick that up and run with it a number hopefully greater greater than but not equal to zero mm-hmm. hopefully non-real at the moment i might be able to get my mom to listen to it but i don't think i would what movie Anyhow. were we just talking about the master nope black snake gonna moan? put on the black snake moan <laughs> you were gonna put the black snake moan on the black snake moan yes yo, yo dog. dog yeah <laughs> Uh, a black snake movie is what I wrote. <laughs> Bravo. On the screen. Okay, so Scott Pilgrim, Paprika, Black Snake, Moan. These are things in episodes to come. Okay. And uh, I think that's it for now. Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams is not a motion picture. Oh, we're back no, onto the she's list. on my list. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah, that's that's very understandable. I think that's a pretty solid choice. Long ago, before I was actually <laughs> in love with Ryan Gosling, I I watched The Notebook begrudgingly with my then girlfriend and it was made enormously satisfactory by the scene wherein Rachel McAdams is painting a watercolor wrapped only in a towel on the veranda of that house. I've never seen The Notebook and I never intend to. Okay, I'm putting that on the list. Uh, no, you're not putting that on. Oh, got God. Ryan Gosling and and James we- Garner. Okay, can I just say that there are better Ryan Gosling films that we could watch that I haven't seen, there like Drive? Okay, we're I've looking. never seen Drive. All right, I'm, okay, you in. I'm putting Drive on here because I love that Instead movie. Instead of The Notebook, thank God. Instead of The Notebook. I'm talking you down. You should still see it, though. 
It's a lot more heart-wrenching than you think it is. I don't like that kind of thing. We'll make you fall in love with Ryan Gosling all over again. I fell in love with Ryan Gosling when I watched um, Lars and the Real Girl. Which I haven't seen. Well, you should. It's good, but I don't really really have anything... I don't really need to talk about it very badly. Okay, you will need to talk about Drive very badly. Yeah, no, my here's my sister um, saw it and she texted me and she's like, "Have you seen Drive?" I'm like, "No," and she's like, "You need to. You will dig it so hard." Yes. and I'm like, and I'm like, "Well, I still haven't seen it because apparently I'm waiting for it to be on Netflix." Nicholas Winding Refn is a maverick of cinema, of neo noir. You're just trying to bring this back to James Garner again. Um. Because Maverick. Oh, good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the riverboat gambling movie with Sharon Stone, right? What are you talking about? <laughs> no. It does not have Sharon Stone in it. It has Jodie Goddamn Foster. How can you com- how can you get those two people confused? It's, uh, it's uh, the, the good, the bad, and the flight plan. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, I, would uh, give, I would give Jodie Foster serious consideration for my list. It's, uh, it's the, the quick... You can't sleep with Jodie Foster. She's gay. What? Yep. Really? Read them and weep. When did this happen? Tin Lizzie. Is that still offensive? It was like slang in the 30s. Tin Lizzie? Yeah. That's, I, don't, I uh, thought that was a kind of drink. No. Well, yeah. It's a drink for gay women. <laughs> it's called a vagina? What? <laughs> yeah. Because gay women like those. And I mean, I sympathize because I do too. No, listen. And I don't think I even sympathize. I mean, I'm, I'm hand in hand with, on walking down Vagina Street. What the hell? What are you saying? Are you having a stroke? <laughs> I don't think so. Any, any Gladys listening really to this? like Gladys. Yeah, any, any Gladys? People who are really into Glade plugins? No. Members of the sapphic persuasion, man. <laughs> if you're listening to this, please fire me an email or a tweet and tell me if Tin Lizzy is offensive or just hilarious. Because I know it's one or both. Uh, what was I talking about? I have can't no sleep idea. with Jodie Foster. Oh, cause, and uh, uh, and uh, I uh, think they should remake both the Quick and the Dead and Freaky Friday in a single motion picture. That's what I'm saying. Okay, well, hmm. I don't, I don't know how that would work narratively. It's like, uh, uh, um, Leonardo DiCaprio switches <laughs> bodies plays with Sharon Stone. With Sharon Stone, here's how that movie happens: is that that happens, and then Sharon Stone vanishes from town, and is is, is found um, so sometime later after the gun gunfighting is all done, um, feverishly masturbating in a cabin, <laughs> in a hayloft. Sure, in a hayloft. She uh, she starts she starts a friction <laughs> fire, and the so, hayloft is on is on fire, and then they have to rescue her. Oh, and um, and Daddy's got a gun. What? Yeah. And hey, loft. Uh, I cannot you need hit to a listen false to that new record, man. I do need to listen to that new record, which I have not listened to yet. Oh, but I download. Uh, I uh, I acquired through um, means uh, a whole bunch of Donovan. Donovan. You know, I, like I hear he's just mad about Saffron. Oh, she's just mad about him. Mm. I, I like Donovan because he's one of the few people who mentions Green Lantern in song. It's, he, may, he may be the only popular musician to mention Green Lantern in song. T-Rex mentioned the Silver Surfer. 
that's still not the Green Lantern. I mean, the Crash Test Dummies, or is it Frozen Ghost? I always get those two. No, it's the cra- are you talking about Superman? Is it su- the Superman, Superman song? Superman never made any money. Okay, you're doing the, the Crash Test Dummies voice and you can't. Solomon Grundy. How do you think that's Frozen Ghost, first of all? I don't know the difference. I don't think I've ever listened to Frozen Ghost. I just know that my dad had both of those albums when he went through a serious adult contemporary music buying phase. So we wound up with a bunch of Mariah Carey and, like, Amanda Marshall. Oh, God. uh, And uh, Amanda Marshall is, like, the worst thing ever. She's better than Mariah Carey. I would prefer Mariah Carey to Amanda Marshall, can I just say? Meh. I prefer I really, Cheryl Crow. Let's say well, t- yeah, Tuesday, Tuesday, what is it, Tuesday Night Music Club? Her her, her debut album? I've never listened to a, Here comes an entire movie. Sharon Crow album that I, uh, to, to the best of my knowledge. Oh, that's pictures of famous people. Like, uh, no, the, the rest of the album is that are bollocks, but it's got that, uh, that All I Want to Do song on it. And I love that song. Does it have Leaving Las Vegas? Because I like that song. Yeah, it does. That's, that's track number four. All right. Do you know this album pretty well? I know a thing or two. <laughs> Frozen Ghost and and, and uh, Crash Test Dummies are in no way contemporary. They're like a decade apart. Are they? I was listening to Frozen Ghost when I was in like elementary school. They're like and okay, and 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 Crash Test Dummies when I was in high school. So maybe not an entire decade, but quite 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 a bit of time. Yeah, Tuesday Night Music Club. With, uh, but I must like, say that I really did like Frozen Ghost quite a bit when I was in grade six, and I had that tape. They're like grade the Pogues and Spirit of the West. They No, they're not. <laughs> I'm just saying things that are making you angry. Ah, okay. First of all, nobody else is like the Pogues, so shut up. Look, you'll have to excuse me. Well, you're not at your best? I'm not at my best. I've been gone for like a month. Well, like you've been drunk since you left. And these so-called vacations will soon be my... St- we got to stop or we'll violate, violate a copyright law. Yeah, okay. Can we do That's, that? Is that a thing that we can do? I think this might be fair use. Because we were drinking beer at noon on Tuesday in a bar that faces a giant car wash. <laughs> what? That's from All I Want to Do is to Cheryl Crow. Oh, okay. I was unaware. So apparently, I, apparently that's part of it that I don't know. I know all the words. I used to drive around in the middle of the night in the winter and listen to that song on repeat. Well, okay. That's Sometimes I listen to uh, Disco Science on repeat. Disco Science? Yeah. It, we've talked about this. Um, yeah. you, it's a song that you don't know. Oh. I'm putting it on your mixtape. I must have just deleted it from my memories. You probably didn't remember it because you didn't know what it was, and that makes sense to me. I, I usually don't forget remember things that I don't know what they are either. Yeah. Unless I'm intrigued by them. Thomas Dolby. What? No, that that's not. Disco Science is, is not by Thomas Dolby. No, I, I understand, but, but she blinded me with sciences. Oh, well, yeah, that's, that's you know that song, I assume. She blinded me with science. Exactly. The, uh, the guy in that video who said science for that song is apparently actually like an actual scientist from britain he is people walk um, behind him all the time because he was in the music video and, they yeah, go, and he hates it science it bothers him yeah. um you watched the same episode of pop-up video i did yes i think that's what it was <laughs> uh stupid pop-up video all my music trivia is is well known to others pop because pop because there were like only five episodes of pop-up video that ever aired in canada so you know is that right no, it's not, but it felt like it some days. I'm pretty sure I've seen them all. Probably. I used to 
come Possibly on. Possibly several times. Growing up in Yellowknife, there's nothing to do when it's pitch dark at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So I'd walk home from school in the minus 50 weather, strip off my snowsuit, and we'll settle into some hot chocolate and pop-up video. And it was pretty good. I learned a lot about the uh, the music video for for uh, Like a Prayer by Madonna. Or, no. Oh, yeah. Is that Like a Prayer? Like a Virgin. Well, they're not the same video. Did it have Did it have a statue that came to life? No, it had a cross on fire. Is like a prayer the no, name yeah, of the song? Yeah, no, like like a prayer is the one with the fire, the cross on fire, and the like the the statue of like the black Jesus. He's not really Jesus, but black guy comes to life. Um, I think he actually is like crucified, though. I don't even know. Something. Anyway, people got really mad about it. Is yeah, no, she had swastikas at her concert in Turkey. <laughs> Or maybe it was tits. Tits and turkey, swastikas in England, I think. Swaziland? Oh. <laughs> swastikas in Swaziland? That sounds like a... It sounds like, like a, a failed Disney property? No, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like a Poirot movie or <laughs> book. <laughs> Hercule Poirot takes a vacation to the African continent and finds discovers- himself... Amid Nazi some, gold. Some nationalist wow. intrigue in yeah. swastikas in Swaziland. Sure. It writes itself. It does. The little Belgian. I assume he'll be played by Albert Finney. Uh, he must be. I don't think anybody else can play Poirot anymore. Like legally? I think you're right. I think he... Or does Albert Finney like find, get, get word of it and they encounter an unfortunate accident? Yeah, he sends the guy that plays Inspector Jap after him. <laughs> Was Albert Finney in that many Poirot movies? I only know of one. He's in all of the BBC Poirot movies. Is he? Okay, I only saw I only saw Murder on the Orient Express, which has a cast of luminaries. No, never mind. Hang on, I'm mixing up Albert what Finney with uh, with this guy. <laughs> this guy who's not Albert Finney. Yeah, right. uh, David Suchet. Oh, it's not the same guy at all. No, it's not. It's David Suchet. Like, I was mixing up Albert Finney and David Suchet. David Suchet is the one who has, like, the legal rights to never being anything but Hercule Poirot, and Poirot is never going to be anything but him. I would not want to get into a fist fight with Albert Finney. Nor would I. Or, Michelle, or uh, Michael Gambon. No, that guy is... Uh, that guy's. Um, he's But... What? I would like to see the two of them in a fight. That would be amazing. Yeah. I need a more recent picture of him. <laughs> there we uh, go. I need to make you watch the, the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. That sounds like a lot of fun. Is that Maggie Smith? Um, No, no, in the picture that I'm looking at. She might be in that movie. That would be interesting. No, no, it's not Maggie Smith. Um, It is Helen Mirren. Oh God, I love Helen yeah. Mirren. You, yeah, she's all naked in this movie, so you'll probably like that. It's um, what year is it? It's like in late eighties, early nineties, I think. It's eighty-nine. She would have been forty-four. Well, she still looked amazing. Well, so because she's Helen Mirren, I'll have to have a look that. And she will always look amazing. List. What's it called? Uh, the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. I, I, you, you, I, I think you would like it. I mean, it's a, it's it's visually stunning and and emotionally um, destroying. So oh, good. I love devastation. Well, basically, I mean, you spend 
I'm going to say about 75 to 80 percent of the film wanting to reach through the screen and just murder uh, Michael Gammon's uh, character, if at all possible. Just like Michael Gammon in it too. Yeah, no, it's 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 an astonishing film. I I, I love it all to death. Well, I wish it was. Uh, maybe it is out on Blu-ray. I should find out. It's um, it's visually uh, magnificent. I'm not sure how. I mean, I haven't seen it for many years. It may it may be that it's not quite as amazing as I remember it. But when I was uh, a younger man, it was one of my touchstone films. Wow! And the the uh, the soundtrack by uh, Michael Nyman is uh, is masterful. Michael yeah. Nyman's an amazing composer. I've never heard of this movie before. Because it's from 1989, nobody talks about Peter Greenaway anymore. I don't know why. He was he was he was big in the. Um, like uh, late '80s, uh, early to mid '90s, uh, and then his um, his I don't know his star has fallen or something like that. I've never uh, heard of any of his movies. He, they're they're um, they're all quite good. The ones I've seen. I'm looking at them right now. I I'm a big fan. Okay, well, right on. I'm also a big fan of Trust by Hal Hartley, which is all which is criminally unavailable on on DVD or Blu-ray unless that's changed recently. I don't we need think to talk about a topic that <laughs> we don't have to talk about the master anymore, do we? Escaped me. No, 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 no. Oh. I was going to say something very um, profound, profound and witty, and oh. and magnificent, and like it does at least once an episode, it simply evaporated from my mind. It's probably because I was talking. I have that effect on things. You just melt away thoughts with your words. My my wife had to train me um, to stop doing that to her, <laughs> and just let her like finish her sentences and thoughts because she would lose them and they would not come back. And it was basically my fault for not letting them happen. Oh, you tyrant! It's I just fundamentally the thing is that everything that I have to say is way more important and interesting than anything anybody else has to say. Oh, that's and right. so they should just shut up and make room right into the solipsism that is inherent in your character. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, uh, if, <laughs> if you're not listening to the show, you don't exist. And I didn't exist until the show began. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how this works. Until, until Adam calls you into existence. By interacting, by, by, with you. by observing or interacting with you in some way. Yes, That's right. <laughs> oh, it's very warm in this room that I'm in, and it usually isn't. And I've got the window open, and as you know, it's freezing outside. I don't know why it's so hot in here, and I'm out of water again. Well, why? Don't, I don't know why you don't have more water. I meant to have two glasses, but uh, you were late, so I was sitting here drinking water and looking at pictures I, of famous people hanging out. Sorry I'm late. <laughs> I was late. Jeez. I told you I was going to be late. You did, and I, I had plenty of time to go get more water, but I, I didn't. I sat here and looked at pictures of Andy Warhol hanging out with Jimi Hendrix. Okay, Trust is still criminally unavailable on DVD. I'm so mad about it. I don't think it's a crime. No, you haven't seen Trust, so you don't understand that it is a crime against humanity that is not available for people to see. Um, maybe you're unfamiliar with the work of uh, Hal Hartley, but um, his his output at that time was, was impeccable. And Trust is like the best thing uh, that he did. And it has... Um, uh, that actress who, uh, who actress director, the one, the lady who directed uh, Waitress and then was was murdered right afterwards, is in it. What? Somebody got murdered after directing a movie? 
<laughs> I mean, besides from <laughs> Roman Polanski's wife? <laughs> I don't think Roman Polanski's wife did direct a movie, but that's not really the point. Oh, she did get murdered after. Yeah, and it's really sad. He directed a movie. Was that before or after he did an awful thing to a small girl? Um, I know, Adrian Shelley. Um, what? Is that the name of the small girl or the dead lady? No. Adrian Shelley's the name of the the the, the lady who directed um, Waitress. And then got murdered. Yes, although not, I don't think, for having done so. <laughs> that may have been an inappropriately long laugh, but I just thought about <laughs> yeah. how funny it would be if people were put to death for directing bad movies. It makes me very upset. Trust is a really great movie. Um, anyway. Makes you upset that she got murdered for directing Waitress? No, she didn't get murdered for directing Waitress. She got murdered in uh, completely uh, irres- irrespective of what the... Uh, maybe there is a release of it. I'm going to look into this later. Why did she get this murdered? Is, not is she getting going. mugged? You have to tell me no, the story. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. She, I think somebody just murdered her because they were a dick. <laughs> like you do. Well, I can, you, I'll look it up if you want. Well, I don't know. That doesn't make for very exciting radio, but... Well, entertain entertain the people while I while I look this up briefly. Um, You're terrible at this. I was going to tell a naughty limerick, but then I realized that I don't know any that either. I, I don't know any that walk the fine line of not having been heard before, but aren't so profane that I, I personally can't can't bring myself to say them on a on a on a broadcast. It would be. Uh, it would not be okay. Okay. Well, apparently she was found uh, hanging by a bed sheet from a shower rod in the bathtub. And... Um, Sounds more like a suicide than a murder to me. No, no, no. But it looked like a suicide and then they found evidence that it wasn't. And it turned out to be a 19-year-old uh, illegal uh, Ecuadorian immigrant uh, construction worker. Um, because she complained that he was making noise in the apartment below hers and he had been having a bad day. Uh, so yeah, so he's basically a dick. Yeah. I'm going to go with my original assessment on that one. Okay. Well, so yeah, that's, that's a, that's like just about the stupidest goddamn reason I've ever heard for somebody being murdered, especially a a talented, vivacious uh, woman like Adrian Shelley. And that's horrible. And I'm angry about it. Roman Polanski's wife was murdered by the Mason fam- Manson family. Mason family. Mason. She was murdered Mason. by Mason jars uh. in an unfortunate <laughs> preservative-making incident. Too soon. <laughs> How is that too soon? I, I, that's what we call humor. I was, I was saying something that, 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 that is um, you know, comically incorrect. Oh, I see. Like, like the comically incorrect thing that I said about Mason jars? You got to watch out for them, man. They've got like two lids. They're very tricky. They've got no. They uh, they do not really have two lids. They just have a two part lid. They have a dual lid system, <laughs> and it worries you. Well, I mean that interior lid is pretty sharp. It is. You could if you were odd slice job, a man's jugular with it. That's right. If you if you were odd job, you could you could frisbee <laughs> that thing. What if you were random task? <laughs> 
Pure random task. I don't know. He he he's, he throws shoes. <laughs> yeah. Last spotted at a, at an American press conference in Iraq. He. Uh, oh God! Wait, no, dude, didn't that guy? Shit, that guy like got arrested for like doing something horribly illegal, didn't he? Like mass murderers or something. I gotta look that up. The shoe throwing guy. Yes. Oh, I really? forgot. Him. Yeah, I swear to. I'm, I'm looking it up. There's I, a I lot swear of. To God. There's a lot of mass murders. I don't know why we have to talk about um, all these horrible murder victims. It's a, it's a murder-themed episode. Uh, Joe's son. Okay, here we go. Uh, legal problems. Uh, I think getting picked up Vandalism. Oh, yeah, that's what it was. He, uh, he was arrested um, for um, being part of a gang rape in 1990, and they had his DNA evidence. Um, wow. tortured uh, and repeatedly raped the victim. That's that's great. That's um, well. Anyway, so that guy's that guy's a dick. Yes, <gasps> uh, I'm so conflicted now. I was really also a big fan of. Artist. He was a mismarked. This is the guy. Wait, 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 but wait. He wait. lost to everybody he ever like. Are we fought. talking about the same guy? Yeah, the guy throws his shoe. The guy who plays random task or the guy who yeah. threw his shoe at Bush at the press conference in Iraq? No, the, no, the, the, the guy who plays random task and threw his shoe at Austin Powers, not oh. the guy who threw his shoe at Bush. Oh, Adam. What? I was so confused. I, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what... Um, we were, I kept what, asking you for confirmation and you were like, yeah, it's him, it's him. I'm like, yeah, because it was the guy I was talking about. Yeah, but you... I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I was talking about Look, the guy when I listen to this shoe. one day when I listen to this on the re- well there's more than one guy who's thrown a shoe I you know yeah but there's one guy who threw his shoe at see this is uh, mm. <laughs> I keep getting to the part where a guy throws a shoe and then you say words but the important part is at George <laughs> W Bush in 2007 see so the, the maybe the salient point here is that you you sort of fixated on 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 a thing and didn't pay attention to the information I was attempting to give to you. All you were giving me information about was this guy threw his shoes and then got. I, up I, for I, a I kept rant. calling him random task, like over and over again. So I don't know why you think that the guy who threw his shoe at Bush in Iraq was called random task. Random. Uh, From the Austin Powers movie, because see, it's a it's a play on odd job. Yeah, I I, I got I that. Know. I got that joke in '99. Thanks. Well, you seem to be getting confused by by these two separate people one of them's korean uh-huh it's the guy who was in the austin powers movie the guy who played odd job <laughs> yeah was hawaiian no yeah i'm talking i'm not talking about that guy i know but i'm just uh, compiling a list of nationalities here of this is this is, this is where this is where we run into trouble is that you jump in you're jumping topics garments <laughs> there we got hat throwers from hawaii <laughs> We got shoe throwers from Korea and Iraq. <laughs> well, what about people who throw their shirts? Um, they are called Guns N' Roses fans. Uh, I don't think I, I, I wish Guns N' Roses fans only threw their shirts. They throw much more than their shirts. There was this one time when I was a Sasquatch where this girl who I had no business talking to approached me during a Beardy Man set and she said, can I get on your shoulders? And I was like, well, uh, yes, because you are wearing a purple tank top 
and uh, blue terry cloth short shorts and absolutely nothing else. So yes, you can uh, you can get on my shoulders. So she got on my shoulders, and that was a lot of fun. And then we got in trouble from the security guards, and they told her to get down. And so I, I, I let her off, and then she went and found some other guy deeper in the crowd and got up on his shoulders, and then took her top off. And I got the and best see, of the world. Yeah. Because if she'd stayed on your shoulders, you wouldn't have gotten to see that. Exactly. Exactly. Got Everything little, happens for a reason. I got a little taste of column A and then an eyeful of column B. And, well, it was more like a uh, double D. And and it was uh, – it was. there's a moral to the story and that moral is uh, be happy with – there's no moral to this story. I just oh, 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 always let pretty girls do whatever they want. Yeah, okay. Let's let's go with that. That's that, the worst moral I have ever heard. That will uh, that will never wind up in uh, in, in chicken in, soup for the soul. Chicken chicken soup for the soul. 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 <laughs> I do not want to do another podcast with you where we say the same word back and forth for five minutes. Okay. Ch- chicken soup for South Korea. <laughs> Did, did we do that? Did we say the same word? We kept saying uh, – I don't even want to bring it up again. <laughs> Dwarfs? No, no. <laughs> that word is forbidden. I don't care if we watch the freaking Twin Peaks movie. That word is forbidden. Uh, watch Firewalk with me. We're not talking about anything to do with that guy. I am the arm. Uh, okay. Are, are we good? What? Stephanie? Annie, no, the, the last episode of you've never seen Twin Peaks, have you? Nope. I saw part of the movie, namely <laughs> the part where Chris Isaac walks into that red room and there's that midget guy, and All he right. goes, "They're sorry, dwarf," and he goes, oh. "I am the arm," and I go, yeah. "Did you do you see the part with David Bowie at least?" There's a part with David Bowie. David Bowie's in that movie, man. I didn't know that. He's an FBI agent. He doesn't, and he talks with a weird Southern accent. Um, and he's not in it for like very long, but he's totally in it. And I guess, I guess, if the series hadn't been canceled, he was intended to be a character on the show. Wow, is what I hear. And that would have been amazing. That would have been kind of a step down for Bowie. No, Bowie, man, dude, Bowie's like the wind. He does what he wants. Did you just call me man, dude? <laughs> I might have. Is you that prefer man? Mang? 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 Mang, you don't even know, Mang. Bowie <laughs> does what he wants, Mang. Yeah, Bowie's like the wind, I said. But you can't tell Bowie what to do. <laughs> exactly. You think you're some kind of special guy? You can tell Ziggy Stardust where he can and can't go, huh? <laughs> you're like David Bowie's Hispanic bodyguard. <laughs> I think David I think David Bowie would at this point tell you to, to, to maybe chill out a little bit. To step to step off a little. I, I, I think I think David David Bowie's a little more chill than that. <laughs> Not in the eighties, man. Cocaine makes it fascist. Dude, no, okay, Bowie wasn't doing cocaine in the eighties. He was clean by the eighties. It's like the late seventies that he's doing like bowls of cocaine. It was like eighty two where No, he-, he goes to Berlin in the seven he's Berlin is still the seventies where he got clean. You're crazy. Yeah, you listen, listen. I'm gonna tell you this right now, I'm gonna tell you this straight. I probably know way more about David Bowie than you do. You probably do, but I know fascist. I've read Bowie. like okay, but I've read like two books. Fascist Bowie, seventies Bowie, for God's sakes. The thing where they thought that he was he was doing a Nazi salute—that was not during the eighties. That was during the late seventies. Fascist. Ah. Oh. 
Swear to God, man. Also, I'd like to point out that you uh, once again have brought up Nazism in the podcast, independent of anything that I did. Okay. What's that? No, I meant to look this up. What's that? What's that constant? What's the law by where the the length of any? The thing about Hitler. Isn't that Planck's constant? Planck's constant. The longer a conversation (laughs) goes on, the uh, the probability of Hitler being mentioned approaches one. It's no, it's 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 not a it's it's a rule that the conversation is over when anybody mentions Hitler, and it's named after a guy, but I can't remember what it's called. Planck's constant, some sort of like physics thing. I don't know. Eichmann. Is it Eichmann? What? No. It's not Eichmann's law. Maybe In any it is. case, with me, it's the inverse. <laughs> the only conversation only truly begins when Hitler comes into it. Exactly right. As the, as the conversation with me gradually progresses, the probability of mentioning Hitler approaches zero. <laughs> I think it approaches one, where nope. one is that you mention Hitler. No, it approaches one. In regular people conversations, it approaches zero with me because it starts with one, and then <laughs> and there's a progressively less Hitler. Talk. That's right. But Hitler equal. Ah, uh, never mind. Hitler equals what? One equals one. I don't think that I don't. I'm not sure that your equation makes mathematical sense, but I don't understand higher math, so I can't prove it. It does. It does make sense. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to take your word on that. I'm going to get email from half a dozen engineers saying that it doesn't make sense. I don't know why engineers would be listening to this podcast. Because they don't have the common sense that physicists <laughs> do to just turn it off if I say something ridiculously out of line. Oh, I just mean that I don't think engineers like watch anyway. Yeah, they I'm don't just, like fun, do they? They don't like ar- the arts. Um, and we're not talking about like babes and brewskis. <laughs> I'm such a jerk. So are engineers. <laughs> I spent a lot of time in the engineering building in university, and I, that would be my general observation. Yeah, a lot of my friends became engineers and then quickly stopped being my friends. <laughs> you know what engineers do? They become architects, maybe. Um, and then they design a building for the humanities department that, viewed from above, looks like a flaccid penis. And viewed from inside looks like an upturned egg carton. <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> also true. Uh, if you, if if any of our listeners are familiar with the humanities building at the U of A, you'll know what what I'm talking about. And if you're not, you can probably look it up pretty easily. It's preposterous. It looks like Wellian inside. It's an odd odd building. Um, it's kind of pleasant. I spend a lot of happy happy times there. But you know, context is everything. <laughs> okay, okay. Are we good? Are we wrapping this up? I think so. We're at uh, we're at a. a, a I was going to say a dollar too, but dollars. <laughs> are we, we're, we're up for like 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 twenty nickels. Is that what happened? Twenty nickels. Yeah, ten dimes. Ten dimes. Nickels. Uh, four quarters. Wait, dollars. sixty? No, wait. It's sixty minutes. So it, sixty minutes in a in an hour. So it would be. I don't. God. <laughs> Twelve nickels. Five, five.